We're gonna read from Hebrews chapter 12. We're gonna start in verse one. Why don't you do me a favor, stand up one more time and then I'll just sit down the rest of the service. Hebrews chapter 12, verse one. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which so easily, which so, clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God Lord we just thank you today we thank you for people who've lived their lives well thank you God for examples of faith in front of us behind us all around us cheering us on we thank you God that we can look into your word today and you can renew our minds and we can endure as well. We can run that race as well and we plan to do that with your grace. So we thank you today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Anytime you're in the Bible and it says, therefore, you should read what it says before that. If your verse of the day says, therefore, it means he said something else that he's alluding to. Therefore, if I just walked up to you and said, therefore, you'd want to know what, well, what, therefore, what, what were you, what are you there foring? So when you start in chapter 12 of Hebrews and it says, therefore, you need to go back to chapter 11 and find out what he's there foring. Chapter 11 is the hall of fame of faith. It's where the writer of Hebrews gives a definition of faith. That it's not things that we can see. It's actually the evidence of things that we can't see. It's the proof of our, our actions are proving out what we can't physically see, but we actually believe. Amen? But what the writer of Hebrews also does, he lists, he lists out some champions of that faith. He lists, uh, starts all the way back at the beginning. He lists Abel from the story of Cain and Abel. He lists Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel. He makes this big list. They're all commended for their faith, even though they never got to see the promise of Christ. So if you go back to chapter 11, he lists everybody. It's not a it's not a comprehensive list, but he makes a list of people from the Old Testament that never got to experience Jesus, the promise. So they lived out their faith in hopes of the Messiah. But then the writer transitions from chapter 11 to chapter 12 with that word, therefore. And he says, because there's such a great cloud of witnesses... So in chapter 11, he says, look at all these people in the Old Testament, never experienced Jesus. Never, Jesus hadn't come yet, but they lived this life of faith anticipating the coming Messiah. And so they lived this way. Look at them. They're our history. They're our ancestors. Look at how they've done it. And he says, therefore, since we have all this great cloud of witnesses cheering us on, he says, let's run the race. Run the race. Since all these people went before us and gave us an example, let's run the race. This great cloud. 
I think history should have an effect on us, don't you? I think history should have an effect on us. I think it should do, do some things, but I don't know. I don't think history should make us legalistic. I am so glad that the people that came before us in this church didn't demand that we did it their way. Thanks for the overwhelming ap- approval of that. Because history could make us legalistic. Well, that's the way we've always done it. Uh Uh-oh, maybe some of your households are legalistic. Anyway, we'll talk about that next week. If we're not careful, history can make us legalistic. History is not designed to make us legalistic as if we always have to do something the same way all the time. And if you break out of that same way, by the way, did you hear them? Aren't you glad you can wear a beard to church now? You're looking up and saying, I didn't know we had a hippie for a pastor. Aren't you glad it is not the same way all the time? That we get to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. That we get to that we get to figure out this walk with God for ourselves in our age, in our time. Amen. So history doesn't make us legalistic, but history gives us an example. History provides kind of the guardrails, the example of how we run it. We never run it the same way, but it does give us a pattern. The writer of Hebrews never said to do exactly what they did, but he does say to do it how they did it. They did run a race and they did run it with endurance. So he didn't say you have to run it exactly the way they did. You just have to run it how they did. You have to run the race with perseverance and endurance, he says. That's the way they did it. Romans chapter five, verse, or chapter 15, verse four says, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Paul says, man, whatever was written down, you should read it. Amen? Job chapter 8, verse 8, it says, For inquire, please, of bygone ages, and consider what the fathers have searched out. For we are but of yesterday, and know nothing, for our days on earth are a shadow. Will they not teach you and tell you in utter words of their understanding? We're being encouraged over and over in scripture not to forget what was done in the past, but to take it as encouragement to run the race in the future. Amen. And, and I just, I have an opinion that I apply personally, personally to my life. If I can find out, find out how you messed up, I don't have to repeat that. Amen. I heard a. It's supposed to be an ancient Chinese proverb. I don't know if it's true. Um, it said, um, I, I don't know if I can politically correct say this. Um, stupid people, is that safe, is that safe to say? Um, mm, well, we're here. Um, <laughs> stupid people don't learn from anyone's mistakes. N- normal people learn from their own mistakes. And really smart people learn from the mistakes of others. Yeah. Just had to figure out how to say the first part a little better. 
I think it's super important that we have people go before us that we can learn what they did right and what they did wrong. I think it's super important. By the way, if you've got a little, if you've got a little experience on top of your head, I would behoove you to tell us how it worked and how it didn't work. Yeah. Because there's no reason we have to repeat the same mistakes. Amen. There's no reason you gotta be a knucklehead. We can learn from the people that went before us. I'm thankful that there's people who have already prayed the prayer of faith and have already walked through difficulties that could tell me I don't have to falter in the middle of it. Amen? History provides us that when we're, when we have people in our midst, it says there's such a great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us cheering us on. They're not, they're, they're not sitting back waiting to see if we fail. They're cheering us on. Say, come on, run the race. Stay in it. Don't give up. We had our hard times. We had to, we had to walk in a church that was flooded. By the way, the next time you walk in and you're like, man, it's a little warm in here. Remember, you're not walking on boards because there's water in the middle of the church. It's perspective, isn't it? Perspective. There's a great cloud of people who have went before us. They, they've gone before us to kind of, to kind of show us not exactly how to do it. We get the liberty to, to figure that out on our own, but the, but the pattern of how to do it. When things get tough, what do you do? You rely on faith. You don't give up. You endure. You, you shake off those things that tangle you up. We're going to get into this, but they've, they've set in front of us a pattern on how to follow God. The writer of Hebrews says, look, all these people that came before us set the pattern over and over and over again. And they're cheering us on to run our own race, to run the unique race that God has given you this morning. They're cheering you on, set the pattern up before us. So what does he say? He says, in light of all the people that came before us, cheering us on, he says what? He says, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely every weight and every sin you know I, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad he separated those weight and sin weight and sin because um because there's things to me that aren't inherently sin that do weigh me down sin's the easy part isn't it Facebook's the hard part sin I can I can kind of get a explicit definition of that. I, I, can, I can go through scripture and I can figure out sexual, sexual immorality, greed, envy, love. I can figure out all that stuff. The more difficult thing I think to figure out is the weight that so easily entangles us. He separates, he puts a comma there. It's not the same thing. The weight casts off the weight that so easily entangles and the sin So my contention is this. There's a lot of things that trip me up that might not inherently look like sin in the moment, but I believe lead to it. Uh, Okay, are you ready? First service, love this part. It was so good. They were all like... Okay, you ready? I know nobody's been entangled with any extra weight this year. So it's going to be hard for you to understand the illustration. But please lean in and try a little bit. Do you mind helping me out? So uh, 
So here's how the process went in our household. I, I would go from the news app on my phone to Twitter to Facebook, to Instagram, news app, Twitter, Facebook, 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 Instagram, news app. And then I walk in and yell at the wife. Let's repeat the process. News app, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, news app, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, walk in, yell at the kids. News app, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, walk in, yell at the neighbor. No, I didn't do that. Here's what I realized. Why was I carrying all that weight? Why am I even carrying the weight of all the news? Why why am I carrying the weight of everything that's on Facebook? Why am I carrying the weight of everything that's on Instagram? Why am I carrying the weight of what's on the internet? I mean, after all, it is true. All of it. Because can, can, can I be nostalgic for a second? I, I hope the younger people in here don't get irritated with me when I do this. I'm in this kind of middle ground where there's really things I like about when I was young. And there's really things I like about going in the future. Can I just, is it okay for me to kind of stand in the middle of the seesaw every now and then? I liked our society when I could leave the house and nobody get a hold of me. There was no expectation. When are you coming home? Couple hours. Okay. And that was it. That was it. I'll be home at five. Okay. And then guess what? When you got home at five, There would be an update on what you did for the eight hours. Anybody remember that glorious eight hours? Now it's an update every 15 minutes. Because you can't just leave the house. They are tracking you. And I'm not talking about the government. I'm talking about your family. (laughs) They're tracking you. Oh, I saw you were at Walmart. What were you buying? None of your business. Now we try to tie it up a little like, oh, I'm sending you a love note. No, you're not. You're spying on me. I know we're married. (laughs) I do the same thing. I'm protective, they call it. Listen, do you remember? I I had a guy, I hope they're not here because I don't remember who it was, but I had somebody three or four years ago. I was in the, I was in a workshop, um, doing some woodworking and I had a guy text me. If you text me and I don't get back to you, I'm not mad. We just all agree on that. I'm not mad. I just didn't text you back because when not before I got married before the responsibility to text you back came into law. So every now and then I slipped back into that side of the seesaw and I was doing something else. So I didn't text him back. I walked by the phone. I saw there was a text message. And I thought, oh, I'll get to it. Free at last. Free at last. So I looked at it. 
And I thought, I'm not, I'll get to it later. And so the next text message about half an hour later was, is everything okay? If the next text message you send me is everything okay, I'm definitely not responding to you. A half an hour later, they texted me, are you upset with me? Now let's count this. It's been an hour and I haven't texted them back. I remember the day where you could go all day without that responsibility. And so, I don't know, I let the thing go three or four hours. And I texted back, dude, I was in the barn working on something. Oh, okay. Can you imagine our society has gotten to the place that if I don't respond to you within 15 minutes, there's something wrong? I remember where you could disappear for a week and nothing would be wrong. You say, well, that's funny that, you know, now it's text message. You got to, everybody knows where you're at all the time and you got to respond and email and text and, and, and Facebook message. I can't keep up with the way people can keep up with me. I can't do it. If I don't check Facebook messages every day, there's somebody that messaged me on there. I, I, I found out I can't keep up, so I don't even try now. Because this, you weren't created to keep the, carry the weight of keeping up. You weren't created to do that. So here, here's how this has worked out this year. We go from Facebook to Google to Facebook to Google to Facebook to Google to Instagram to Twitter to your news to Facebook to Google to Instagram. And, and we just fill it up, fill it up, fill it up, fill it up, fill it up. And before you know it, it's hard to run. Because there's so much weight. Do you realize we're the first people on the planet who are expected to know everything? You do realize that. We're the first people on the planet in history that was expected to know everything. Because you're carrying everything in your pocket. You can get out your phone and you can find out anything about anything at any time in an instant. And I don't believe that was the weight God called you to carry. I don't think we were designed for it. And I'm going to explain to you why. Because the writer of Hebrews says, there were so many people behind you who ran this race and they are now clapping for you to run your own race with endurance. But in order to have endurance, you've got to cast off the weight. So remember a month or so ago when I told you, hey, if you get that little nudging from the Holy Spirit back in the day, we used to call it unction. Anybody remember that word? You get an unction? So the Holy Spirit says, you should do this. Now do we, we got to find out if it's okay with Facebook. We got to find out if it's okay with Google. We got to, we're going to, I'm going to research whether that's a really a good idea or not. No, nowhere in the history of humankind has anybody ever went, I'm going to check the internet to see if God's right. So we're carrying the weight we weren't meant to carry. What if you weren't supposed to know everything that you know now? What if it's just too much weight? What if it's too much weight? What if the whole political thing was too much weight for you to carry? And the weight that we refused to cast off ended up turning into sin because the Facebook, you know how many people I'm running across now that are like, I blocked a hundred people off of my Facebook account. 
You're the only common denominator with those hundred people. You. The only thing those hundred people have in common is you. What's the problem here? I blocked a hundred people. We carried weight that we weren't designed to carry. It turned us into sin because Jesus came along for, after all, Jesus is the one that came along and said, if you hate somebody, it's just like murder. How can we carry the weight of a whole political election? How can we carry the weight of politics for the whole country and then expect to get along with our neighbor? You weren't designed to do that. Oh, wow. There you go. Listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't vote. I'm not saying don't be involved. I'm saying if you carry too much of that weight, it will eventually lead to sin. It will eventually cause you to hate somebody that God never intended you to hate. Amen? Are you kidding me? I would hate to think that I would wake up four years after an election and think I had dissolved a relationship that God put me in because we couldn't agree on something that in the end of the day doesn't matter if I'm going to heaven. Oh, man. I think first service like that a little better. So I need to paint a picture for you. Don't close your eyes because this is going to get weird. I'm just warning you, don't close your eyes. The ancient people used to run naked. Told you, you closed your eyes and I ruined the rest of the service for you. The athletes back in the day used to run without any clothes on because... Because they said, cast off all the weight that would inhibit you from running. So if you were an Olympian, if you were somebody that was running in a race, you would run with no clothes on because their clothes designed at the time were not designed for running. I got to put a tunic on and start getting an Olympic race. Now, if you look at Olympians, now they barely wear any clothes, but they're very high tech clothes that mimic our skin. And, and it's just enough to keep covered up because, you know, naked people running is freaky. There's a guy outside my house running naked. I'm not going to think, well, he's training for the Olympics. He'll be calling the police. <laughs> Just a true story. Never happened in my neighborhood yet. The writer of Hebrews is saying, you can't afford, listen to me. If you're going to run to win, you can't afford to carry that extra weight. You can't afford to carry it. You can't afford to carry the extra weight. I haven't started talking about sin yet. You can't afford to carry the extra weight of everything, of approval. Listen, I remember a time where you had to get home from school before you found out your parents disapproved or approved. Where you weren't under the pressure of having instant approval or disapproval about every decision you ever made. Now, thumbs up, thumbs down, smiley face, heart face. Like, as soon as you do something, people can approve or disapprove. And so what it tricks us into doing is then everything we do after that is for approval. Because nobody likes the thumbs down. So we start, we start to shape our lives. That's not a weight God called you to carry. So we start running, not because God called us to run, but because we're being approved of. We're constantly checking and checking and checking. Do, do people like this? Do people like this? Do people like this? Do people like, I'm not running for that. I'm running for the approval of one. Yeah. So, cast off the weight. Trust me when I tell you this, you weren't designed to carry it. 
I was moping around the other day in the shop. Man, do you ever get into one of those mope days? Come on, can we have a little bonding time here? You don't even know what happened. You're just mad. It's a, I just call it man mad. It's a man moping madness. You just wake up. It doesn't, it, like, your whole day wasn't, isn't bad. Like, you can't point to anything necessarily. You're just like, hmm. So I was out, wanted to be by myself. Came back in the house. <laughs> My wife said, what's wrong with you? I said, man, I've just been looking at too much stuff. Been reading too much. Mess on the internet. Reading, looking at the news and reading Twitter. What did I say? I said, I got to put it away. Carrying stuff that I'm not supposed to carry. And I can't let it affect how I treat other people. I'm carrying stuff I'm not supposed to carry and I can't let it affect the way I treat other people. Because I believe weight that you're not supposed to carry ultimately ends up in sin. I think it does. So let's get to the sin part. Oh, we're having fun. Let's get to the sin part now. (laughs) You ready for this? You weren't designed to carry the weight of your sin either. If you can't forgive yourself for something that happened 10 years ago or five minutes ago, you won't last very long. Because here's what the Bible tells me. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He who the Son set free is free indeed. It says if he's forgiven you, he's faithful and just. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. There is no instance in the scripture where it says, ha, it was all a trick. You're not forgiven. No, but we tell ourselves that. So the writer of Hebrews says, there's all these people in the past that have lived this journey of faith and they're, and they're encouraging you, they're clapping. They're saying, go run, run your race. And he's saying, if you're gonna run this race a long time, you've gotta cast off that weight that you weren't meant to carry and the sin. He's, listen, we all sin and let me give you a little insight. You're gonna keep sinning. I know all of you are gonna keep sinning. It's so great, encouraging. Here's what I know. Jesus' blood is enough to cover every sin from here on to your last breath. He promises that. So the moment you can forgive yourself is the moment the weight falls off. Because if Jesus forgives you, you're free. If you decide to carry the backpack that he took on him when he died on the cross, that's you, not Jesus. He's not requiring you to carry that weight. He said, I've already took it. So can you do something for me? Cast off the weight of all this mess and then forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. You can't run. You can't run. If you're, if you're trying to carry weight, you're training for the wrong race. This ain't a sprint. This is a marathon. Sprinters will put weight on sometimes to get that to launch and and, and get the, they'll do a lot of weight training, get their, their thighs all built up. You don't see any bulky marathon runners. Hey, I got to run a marathon today. I thought I'd gain 20 pounds. They're all skinny. They're all skinny. There's something to be said about skinny Christians showing up at the foot of the cross. I didn't bring anything with me. I cast off all the weight. I cast off all the sin and I'm just here running 
the race you set before me. He said, there's all these people cheering. Now, now cast off the weight, cast off the sin. It so easily entangles one translation says. The question is, isn't can I run with this weight, but how long can I run with it? Second Timothy chapter two, verse four, this is Paul's second letter to Timothy, his protege. We talked about him last week. It says this, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. If there's ever been a time where the church needs to know how to focus, it's now. You can't afford to get entangled in stuff that just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. I, um, I have the privilege to go on the radio once a month and, and um, it gets played over some FM stations and things like that. And I'm constantly asked during this political season about, well, how do you deal with people who don't think the same way as you do? I said, I have to love them past their opinion. They have to matter to me more than their opinion about politics does. Did you hear that, church? They have to matter to me more. Do you know why? It's because as a follower, we can't get so entangled in something that we end up running the wrong race. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, no, no military person gets, gets entangled in civilian affairs. They know what the objective is. So the message to the church in Hebrews is saying, you've got to know what the objective is. You've got to know what you're called to. You can't get entangled in all these other things that at the end of the day, end of the day aren't going to change a person's life. Don't get entangled. Don't get entangled. Keep the focus. Amen? Last thing he talks about there in that portion of scripture, he says, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so, easy, so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The testimony of those who ran before us is there to encourage us as we keep Jesus in front of us as the motivation to finish. Now, This might sound funny, but I'm not running for the people behind me. I'm not running to impress them. I'm not even running for their approval. I'm encouraged because they ran. Amen? Now now remember, we have to have the right motivation if we're going to last a long time. And here's what I figured out. People are fickle. Anybody figure that out lately? People are fickle. So what I do, what I do that people could approve of in one moment, they will disapprove of in the next. But here's what I know. God doesn't change. So if I get caught up in running for the wrong reason, if I get, he says, all these people behind are encouraging you, but remember, you're running towards Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You're running towards him. He's the goal. He's the hope. And he said, because he went to the cross and endured the shame, you're running towards him. Okay. So at the end of the day, I'm running for his approval. Because it's going to sound mean. But at the end of my life, none of you can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
Only he can. So at the end of the day, guess what? I can't say good and faithful servant to you. You're not running for my approval. You're not running for my approval. You're running for his approval. We're running towards him, encouraged by them, not the other way around. We're not running for the approval of man. We're running because they are encouraging us to run towards him. He's the goal. He's the end game. Close my eyes for the last time. I want to hear Jesus himself say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I don't care who else is listening. Amen. He is the goal. He's the end game. He's the reason that we run. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The testimony of those who ran before us is there to motivate and encourage us as we keep Jesus in front. I want to tell you this right now. The praise of man is never enough to endure. The praise of man is never enough to endure. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. I'm to run my race, keeping Christ as the objective. And he says, if I run this race this way, I can endure to the end. Paul realized this in Philippians. When he wrote to the Philippians in chapter 4, he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? He didn't say, I can do all things because people are clapping. He didn't say, I can do all things because people are approving. He said, didn't say, I can do all things because people are cheering. He said, because he gives me strength. Amen? I need you to understand this morning as a church... When there is no encouragement, there is still the encourager. Listen to me very closely. Because if you have not lived through a season yet where you felt no one was encouraging, then you, you might not understand what this means. But come on, some people with a little bit of season on their hair. Say amen if you've lived through something where no one else was encouraging, but you knew that God himself promised you that he'd never leave you or forsake you, that he said he'd be with you to the end, that he said nothing could separate you from the love of God, and that at the end of the day, you made it through because he himself kept you. Not because there was a great group of people carrying you and lifting you up and cheering, but because God himself kept you. Amen? So watch this. I'm so thankful for the people encouraging. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for people. But at the end of the day, he's my encouragement. At the end of the day, he's why I'm running. At the end of the day, he's the one. He's the motivation. And when it seems like you're by yourself, you're not by yourself. When it seems like all is lost, it's so far from the truth you can't even imagine it. When it seems like all is lost, what I figured out is nothing is lost. Because he endured the cross. I'm running towards him and I can endure. Paul said, I found out that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then he writes to the Galatians this, let us not grow weary in doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Stand to your feet. Here's what I know. You've got to run the race to the end.
just like me. Just like me. Here's what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful there's people like going to Linda Cole who have run far before us. And we have their example and pattern to run by. Here's how you run a long time. Here's how you teach kids for 60 years. I didn't know anybody would actually want to do that. Here's how you teach kids for 60 years and just keep going. It wasn't because when she walked in on church on Sunday morning, everybody was clapping. It was because she was running the race laid out before her. She had tossed off the weight. She had tossed off the sin. She was running the race before. Jesus is my goal. And I'll do what I'm called to do. So I'm so thankful for those people. I'm so thankful that they're behind us encouraging us. But I'm thankful also that God has empowered us to do everything he's called us to do. So if you feel like you can't make it this morning, I'm telling you that he's got enough power for you to make it all the way. Not just make it tomorrow or make it through this, but make it all the way to the end. I need you this morning to cast off that weight. I need you to take the burden off that you weren't designed to carry. I need you to put the sin off. And I need you to run the race with endurance, knowing that Jesus has equipped you and will give you anything that you need to make it all the way. to Not halfway, not three quarters, not, not, not right towards the end to give up all the way to the end. And everybody standing in this building can hear the Son of God himself say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. He has designed you to make it all the way. Amen? And so can we pray that way this morning? God, we thank you for that great cloud of witnesses, Lord. And we know by their example that you that we can cast off the weight and we can run. We can finish. So we pray that you be Enable us to do that today, Lord, with all the stuff in front of us, God. We pray that we cast off that weight and we run with endurance all the way to the end, finishing strong. Father, we thank you. Jesus is our goal. And we commit today to run all the way to the end. And we thank you for it. We thank you that you give us that same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, empowering us to do all those things. And we thank you that in Christ we can do all things and we can run all the way to the end. We thank you for it today and we give you honor and praise because of it in Jesus' name. Come on church, give him praise one more time. He's good, amen. Hey listen, encourage somebody. We'll see you back here next week.